Should the New Orleans Saints make a change at quarterback? What's going on with that Saints defense and the few bright spots after the loss in Philly? We got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome into another episode of Locked On Saints, your daily podcast covering the New Orleans Saints, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks, as always, for making us your first listen of the day every day here on Locked On Saints. Don't forget that we're free and available on all platforms, including on YouTube as well. I'm your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson Nola on Twitter, Canal Street Chronicles, Locked On NFL, and here with you every single Monday through Friday on Locked On Saints. And listen, I know it's always hard to tune in to an episode of Locked on Saints after a loss, but we're here with you every Monday through Friday, win or loss, to help you get through or to help you understand what happened. And that's exactly what we're going to talk about today. But we're going to start off with a big question that every fan seems to be asking right now, which is, is it time to make a change at the quarterback position for the New Orleans Saints? Is it time to shift away from Trevor Simeon and go to Taysom Hill. And here's the way that I look at it. I think that the New Orleans Saints would benefit from having a more dynamic weapon under center. We talked about this a few weeks ago. Should the New Orleans Saints move ahead with Taysom Hill as opposed to Trevor Simeon, sort of in preparation and with the understanding that their offense is not at full strength? So does having the run threat under center give you more benefit than what you get from Trevor Simeon? Now, it was a little tough to move to Taysom Hill earlier on because Taysom had been dealing with Three weeks of concussion protocol. He returned up against the Tennessee Titans and had to go back out at one point because of a foot injury. Did not participate in practice throughout most of the week this week, but he was active on Sunday against the Philadelphia Eagles. However, he did not play. He was there as the true QB to the quarterback behind Trevor Simeon, the only active quarterback behind Trevor Simeon with Ian Book inactive for this game, but he was only set to go in in case of emergency. He didn't take any special team snaps, any tight end snaps, any running back snaps, didn't do all the things that you're used to seeing Taysom Hill do when he's active and not playing quarterback in a game. Instead, he was effectively and really sort of exclusively the New Orleans Saints QB2. And I'm sure that some of that has to do with the fact that he's been injured and that they didn't want to put him out there in a situation that that injury could get worse. But is there a reason that they're preserving him as much as they are? Now, it could just simply be that they're preserving him because they know how important he can be in a game coming up on Thursday in a very, very short week up against the Buffalo Bills as the offensive weapon. But they could also be preserving him because it's time to take a look at him at quarterback. Now, Listen, this is the this is the piece of all of this that I, I really want to address. That effectively saying that someone wants to shift to Taysom Hill isn't actually an indictment upon Trevor Simeon. It's not that Trevor Simeon has performed poorly. It's not that Trevor Simeon has lost you games. Yes, he threw two interceptions last week, including a pick six, or or, or yesterday, including a pick six that uh, that was brought back to the house by Darius Slay. And went, you know, six of 20 in the first 20 passes, six of 18 in the first half. Not good <laughs> by any means, but has he been the reason that you've been losing games as a team? No, not necessarily. However, the issue still per- it has still been pervasive moving forward that the 
first three quarters of play by this offense led by Trevor Simeon are largely inefficient. And then all of a sudden, the fourth quarter things pick up because the defense lightens up. You get more base coverages. You get a lot of holes in zones. The defense is just worried about protecting a lead at that point. So then you start to see all those chunk plays and those opportunities become available that Trevor Simeon has been very good at taking advantage of. But what about 75% of the game? Otherwise, you see nothing but inefficiency from this offense during that time. So what is it that makes you change to Taysom Hill? Why make the change to Taysom Hill? You have a weakened offense that includes less than ideal weapons in the passing game and a decimated offensive line. So having somebody back there that's a little bit more mobile like Taysom Hill gives you an opportunity to potentially get those receivers the chance to be able to improv a little bit and get open in the scramble drill. We know that Taysom Hill is not the most effective scrambling quarterback, and I know he had a big 40-yard scramble and run up against the Atlanta Falcons a year ago. I know, I know, I know. But in terms of him being able to extend plays and then turn them into passing plays downfield, that has not necessarily been his bread and butter, if you will, which is you, which is what you expect from a mobile quarterback. He is a better run threat under center than Trevor Simeon. Taysom Hill is absolutely no doubt about that. So does that help to raise the ceiling a little bit for this New Orleans offense? Because right now, the ceiling feels pretty low with Trevor Simeon. And again, it's not an indictment on Simeon. It's just that you can only do so much without two starting tackles, without your star wide receiver, and without your star running back for the past two games. And even if and when you get all of those players back, with the exception of the star wide receiver, Michael Thomas, who we know isn't coming back, how much higher does this ceiling really get if you can't execute in the first three quarters because of issues diagnosing and seeing blitzes, issues being able to handle pressure, issues dealing with and navigating aggressive defenses? That's just what you're going to get during you know time and time again up against these defenses especially with the Buffalo Bills the Dallas Cowboys and then in another couple of weeks the Tampa Bay Buccaneers right on the you know right on the other side of all of this so does Taysom Hill help you raise your ceiling on offense it certainly feels that way and it feels like the Saints are potentially a little bit more prepared to play into Hill's strengths than they have been prepared to play into Trevor Simeon's strengths Trevor Simeon has given you a very nice you know uh, look in terms of good ball placement, in terms of utilizing the short passing game. But I feel like there should be more prepared for Taysom Hill, considering the fact that Taysom Hill was firmly entrenched in the starting quarterback battle before the season even began, right? You have an offense prepared for Taysom Hill that no one across the NFL has seen because even the four games of the emergency quarterback role that he played last week, you didn't have a full playbook for him because you had to change quarterbacks midseason. At least in this situation, you had some offensive preparation in terms of developing an offense around him in case he won the quarterback role. And there's no way that the Saints just went into a quarterback competition and said, there's no way that Taysom Hill is winning this. And so you look at that, you look at the fact that, you know, Sean Payton loves working with Taysom Hill and even went so far as to compare him to Hall of Fame quarterback Steve Young, yet he's not the quarterback that's out on the field. You have to believe that some of that simply has to do with the injuries and the health of Taysom Hill, as opposed to just the grander decision making of going with Trevor Simeon over Taysom Hill. So here I am as someone that rooted for Jameis Winston throughout the quarterback battle over the course of the offseason saying Taysom Hill is probably your better option moving forward, strictly so that you can get that more more dynamic weapon under center and potentially raise the very low ceiling of this offense moving forward, giving yourself at least a little bit more of a chance as you move forward throughout the rest of this season 
with the playoffs still in grasp. And I know a lot of people probably just groaned hearing me say that because they don't look at this team as a playoff team. But I think if you get Teron Armstead, Ryan Ramchick, Alvin Kamara back on this offense, you build yourself a more dynamic offense against around a more dynamic quarterback, then yeah, maybe this can be, at least at that point, a team that you're maybe more willing to say is a playoff contender in terms of getting into the playoffs than what we've seen over the course of the last three weeks on offense. And it's not just the offense that needs to be addressed. It's the defense too. This defense that started off looking like an elite unit early on in the season. So what has happened over the course of the last three games to the Saints defense? We'll talk about that and break it all down as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. But first, I want to break down for you the best possible move that you can make for your television viewing experience, it's getting direct TV stream. Tell me if this sounds familiar. You've got one device or one app that you're using for your live sports, another one that you're using for your favorite TV shows, another that you're using for your favorite movies, and then you've got somebody else's login, you know, somebody that you bribed at one point or somebody that owed you a favor or something for all the rest of the good stuff as well. Well, now you don't need to worry about juggling all those different apps, juggling all those different devices. Now you can get it all in one place with direct TV stream. It's going to give you everything that you want, your favorite live TV, your favorite live sports, your favorite television shows, movies, everything all in one place. So you can seamlessly transition from one to the other without having to switch apps and switch devices and all of that other stuff. It helps you get your TV together. And best of all, there's no annual contract. So there's absolutely no risk in giving this a shot. Go and check them out. Direct TV. I got it myself. I absolutely love it. We've gotten rid of everything else in favor of direct TV stream and really pay about the same amount of money as all of those other subscriptions, you know, this subscription, that subscription, everything that we've had to pull out of the ether. So go and check them out. You can get more information over at directtv.com. That's directtv.com for more information on direct TV stream. Compatible device is required and content varies by package. All right, family, continuing on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. And thanks, as always, making us your first listen of the day every day here on the show. And I know it's not always the uh, ideal situation to be listening to the show following a loss, but I promise that we talk a little bit about why and how all of this happened, this loss with the New Orleans Saints. We talk through the offense. Should they make that change at the quarterback spot? Does that help? We talked about the injuries, all of that uh, as we opened up the show. But now as we move on, I want to sort of shift the focus over to the defense because this defense over the course of the last three games has not been as impactful and has not been as efficient and effective as the defense that we saw over the first seven games. Now, some of that has to do with circumstance, right? You're seeing a few more turnovers. You're seeing a lot more short fields. You're seeing a lot more three and outs. The inefficiency over in the offense is wearing down and creating the inefficiency over on the defense in some situations, especially when you have like a three and out in between a nine play drive and a 10 play drive, right? Those types of situations are very, very hard for a defense to manage because you're not getting any type of a breather over on the uh, over on the sideline. And you're not able to talk about what it is that needs to be adjusted from the previous drive, right? You still have to have to be able to have those conversations over on the sideline. And sometimes you can't have them if your offense goes out there and has, you know, a, a quick three and out that takes less than a minute off of the, the game clock. So that has been hurtful for the New Orleans Saints, but there have been some things that have been situational that have been hurtful for the Saints defense as well. And I want to start off just specifically with the Philadelphia Eagles game, and then we're going to widen our scope a little bit to the last three games, that the three uh, losses that the Saints have had consecutively. And starting off against the Eagles, the New Orleans Saints, who are the number one 
rushing offense, excuse me, number one rushing defense in the NFL, allowed over 240 rushing yards to the Eagles without giving up a 100-yard rusher, which means that they were just absolutely gashed in the run game by whomever it was that the Eagles wanted to run with, right? So what happened here? Well, there were a couple of different pieces of it. The Eagles did a good job at one point taking advantage of what the Saints had to do on the defensive line in order to limit Jalen Hurts. A lot of mush rush, a lot of those opportunities to where they're trying to keep Jalen Hurts within a pocket and contain so that he can't get outside to either side. Now, of course, there were still several times that he broke contain, got outside, and was a, he was either able to run for a little bit of a pickup or was able to throw the ball downfield. We saw him run for a pair of touchdowns in this game in the red zone or at least close to the red zone in one, in one uh, situation. So when you look at where the New Orleans Saints struggled, you also saw them give up a good amount of you know rushing yardage up the middle, directly up the gut. And then, of course, it gets the read option as well. We saw the play that's going to be on repeat for maybe the entire rest of the season where Cam Jordan just gets caught absolutely flat-footed, having no idea, do I go after the running back? Do I go after the quarterback? Because of how long uh, Jalen Hurts was able to hold the ball at the mesh point before pulling it and then taking the ball on his own. So you saw the Saints struggle with a couple of things that they could potentially end up struggling with again later on as the season continues because they're not out of the woods at all when it comes to mobile quarterbacks. In fact, they have one in just a couple of days on Thanksgiving Day with Josh Allen, who the the Bills could easily run some read option opportunities with and can easily run up the middle as well if you're having to sort of work on containing Josh Allen, who is a bit of a mobile quarterback. So something to consider there. You also saw the New Orleans Saints for the first time give up over 30 points in a game, and they gave up 40 in this one, of course, losing this game 40 to 29. I don't think that there was enough in this game, in this one game for you to really condemn the New Orleans Saints defense. There's enough of a sort of sample over the course of the the, the first 10 games of the season to still feel pretty good about this defense moving forward, but it's hard to feel good about their situation, which is why the adjustments on offense may be necessary, because not only if you're able to raise the ceiling of your offense a little bit, it could end up benefiting your defense as well, keeping them off the field a little bit longer, giving them the opportunity to make the in-game adjustments without having to wait until halftime to really be able to do that. Those types of sideline adjustments would really be important. And just to go back to the run game real quick, we talked about our key for the New Orleans Saints to not allow the the Philadelphia Eagles to do what they did against the Denver Broncos, which was run 40 times in the game. Well, the Saints allowed the Philadelphia Eagles to get into a situation to where they were able to run 50 times in this game and still average about 4.8 yards per carry. So not the greatest day for the New Orleans Saints defense, although things weren't really set up for them beneficially by the offense. But there are some other situational things that we've seen this defense struggle with as well, continuing to struggle with crossing patterns over the middle of the field. We saw the big Devontae Smith catch up against Marshawn Lattimore as he crossed the middle of the field. So that continues to be an issue for Marshawn Lattimore as well as for the Saints defense as a whole. But we're also seeing more points off of turnovers allowed as well. And some of that has to do with the fact that the Saints are actually turning the ball over at a pretty consistent rate. Five turnovers over the last three games while taking the ball away only once, which was in this game, the fumble that Christian Ringo forced and recovered. If you look at the Saints first seven games, they turned the ball over only six times. And during that time, they only allowed one touchdown on the possessions off of those turnovers. I believe that was in the Washington football team game. So only 13 points off of turnovers given up in the first seven games by New Orleans. It's one touchdown and two field goals. That's really, really good. And that included some short uh, some short field situations. 
That included some quick turnovers, just a couple of plays into drives, and the Saints defense was able to hold up in those situations. If you look at over the course of the last three games alone, the Saints have turned the ball over five times. Remember, six turnovers over seven games, five turnovers over three games, and they've allowed touchdowns on four of those five possessions or four of those five turnovers, including a pick six in that last game up against Darius Slay, which isn't really a reflection of the Saints defense. So you can look at 17 points given up by the Saints defense on possessions off of turnovers, three of four if you take away the pick six. That's less than ideal. And yes, those have been some short fields. Yes, those have been some quick possessions, some quick changes and things like that. But we also saw that early on in the season and the Saints defense be able to hold up in those situations. So you have to think about the entire course of a game what the offense has been doing, how much the how much the defense has had to make up for that. And then when you have a turnover, how does that impact the defense? Are they gassed already because there are all of these short possessions and then we're into the third quarter at that point? There are so many different nuances in terms in context in terms of how that have that conversation. But regardless, the Saints were put in similar situations in the first seven games and allowed only one touchdown on six turnovers. Right now, this New Orleans Saints defense looking very different in those situations. They're also looking very different in the red zone, but not in the way that you might expect. The percentages are actually very similar. Over the course of the first seven games, the Saints allowed only 44% of red zone possessions to be converted for touchdowns. Over the course of the last three games, it's 50%. So not bad, but here's where the difference really is. It's the red zone possession number and the red zone possession rate, how often other teams are getting into the red zone on this team. 16 times over the first seven games, 14 times over the last three games. So the Saints have gone from going up against about 2.3 red zone possessions per game over the first seven games to facing red zone possessions over the last three games almost five times per game, which is absolutely absurd. And so some of that has to do with turnovers in the red zone. We've seen that. We've seen the field flip. But for the most part, it has to do with big chunk plays allowing teams to get into the red zone and then the Saints allowing 50% of those red zone possessions to be converted into touchdowns. So this has been very, very challenging for the Saints, not just because they've allowed the touchdowns, but the fact that they have allowed so many possessions in the red zone. And many of those that weren't touchdowns, the seven that weren't touchdowns, many of those were still field goals. So you're still putting up points against this team at a clip that we haven't seen over the course of the first seven games over the course of these last three. So where do the Saints go from here on defense? Well, hopefully you get a little bit better as you get a little bit healthier. CJ Gardner-Johnson coming back, Tono Passanio will be good to have back in this offense, excuse me, defense as quickly as possible. But it comes down to the offense as well. This has not been the most impactful defense in terms of what we've seen over the last three games versus what we've seen over the last seven but there's time to turn it around for this defense. The fact of the matter of the fact of the matter though is that in today's NFL, a defense can't win you a championship anymore. Not by itself. You have to have something, some base level of production over on the offensive side as to not gas that defense out and as to not put that defense in a situation to where they're having to win you a game after you're consistently turning the ball over and giving up short possessions. So regardless, this offense has to get better. This offense has to raise its level of efficiency. Therefore, the defense will be able to raise its level of efficiency as well. So does it come down entirely to the defense? No. Does it come down entirely to the offense? No. But the shared responsibility is one that's very, very important and has to be symbiotic in terms of making the appropriate adjustments between the two in order to benefit themselves and try to make the rest of the season 
attainable, winnable in terms of the games that they have left. One of the ways for the New Orleans Saints defense to get better is to continue to see its stars play like stars and maybe get a couple of others to be able to step up there. But who's setting the example across this team despite the three-game losing streak? We're going to give out game balls because even losing games deserve game balls for some players that come out. We're going to talk about the tale of the Marcuses and what went right over on offense. We'll talk about all of that as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. But I'm going to tell you what goes right in your daily diet, and it is uh, protein, right? You want a lot of protein, but sometimes it's hard to get that because these protein bars that are out there that you can grab at the store, they're not always the best. They're chalky. They're kind of stodgy. You're having to choke them down a little bit. You don't have to deal with that anymore, though. If you go to built.com and check out Built Bars, the best tasting protein bars on the market, the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. You don't have to worry about all the suffering that comes with eating some of these other protein bars that you see out there. You're going to think you're eating a candy bar when you're enjoying these because we're talking about incredible flavors covered in 100% chocolate, including cookies and cream. Uh, we're talking about coconut, coconut, almond, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, but still only four or five grams of sugar and net carbs while still getting 17 or 18 grams of protein in them things. So they are absolutely fantastic. Go and check them out at built.com. And don't forget to use the promo code LOCKED15. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5. So you can get 15% off of your next order, your first order. Doesn't matter how many times you've been there. Use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. And make sure you're checking out the website constantly because they're going to have a bunch of limited edition flavors rotating every three to four days. Once again, that is built.com. You can also check out our friends betonline.ag if you want to get in on the action this week the new orleans saints home underdogs in this one on thanksgiving day up against the buffalo bills sean payton undefeated on holidays christmas thanksgiving halloween he has been absolutely outstanding on those days can they find a way to flip the script here against the buffalo bills who absolutely got dismantled by the indianapolis colts this past weekend or do the buffalo bills end up coming back for their retribution up against the new orleans saints trying to prove themselves after that sort of stomping that they took by Indianapolis. If you feel one way or another about it, betonline.ag is the best way to get in on the action. And you can look at other things outside the NFL as well, the NBA. You can go to futures for the MLB. You can look at UFC and even your favorite Vegas casino games. And if you're a brand new customer over at betonline.ag, go ahead and use our promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, so you can get a 50% welcome bonus on top of your first deposit. That's a 50% welcome bonus on top of your first brand new deposit over at betonline.ag, where the game starts. Let's get it. Who that Asian continuing on and wrapping up today's episode of Locked On Saints with our Game Balls segment. You know, we always try to end on a good note, even in these losses. And hey, even in losses, players deserve game balls. So we're going to start off with the guy that had the absolute best day for the New Orleans Saints, and that would be safety Marcus Williams. Marcus Williams played an incredible game in this one, maybe one of the best that he's played in the black and gold. And I know that it's hard to look at a safety and say, oh, well, they clearly played their best game in a game where the opposing team gave up 40 points. But pretty much all of that came on the ground, right? Three touchdowns by Jalen Hurts uh, in the run game. I think I mentioned he had a pair of them earlier. He actually had three. Uh, you also look at the fact that they gave up 242 yards in the run game. You can see that not a lot of this really came down to the passing game. You saw uh, uh, Jalen Hurts complete only 54.2% of his passes, 147 passing yards, no touchdowns, average only 6.1 yards per throw, per attempt in this one. So 
not the biggest day through the air for Philadelphia. And a lot of that had to do with Marcus Williams because Marcus Williams erased a couple of huge plays in this one. He made a, a remarkable play in, in coverage to uh, down the field to one of the wide receivers. But even better than that, I think, was the play that he had where he broke up a pass to Miles Sanders over on the sideline where he had to sprint. And according to uh, NFL Next Gen Stats, he covered 19.9 yards while the ball was in the air in order to make that pass breakup and got a top speed of 20.15 miles per hour. Once again, that is per NFL Next Gen Stats. Incredible stuff. And the thing about this play that was so remarkable is that Marcus Williams was effectively on the other side of the field. He was shadowing over the top of Bradley Roby on the left side of the offense who was covering Jalen Rager. And then once he saw actually a moment where Marshawn Lattimore, who had fallen back into a zone over on the left sideline, he and Quan Alexander both collapsed to cover Devontae Smith in the flat, leaving Miles Sanders all by himself. Probably should have only been one of those players, obviously, that collapsed on Devontae Smith, but both Quan and Marshawn end up making that decision. And so you end up leaving um, uh, Miles Sanders running this wheel route to the outside all by himself. And then Marcus Williams just flips his hips. He sees it as it develops, which is the other part of it that's really, really impressive. He was paying attention not only to his own assignments, but the assignments of the other players. Because before the ball even comes out, Marcus Williams is already starting towards where Miles Sanders is going and then has the perfect angle to be able to knock the ball away. And then he also had a, another one at one point down the right side, down the left sideline, where he tackled Devontae Smith out of bounds as he was trying to make a catch, making it uh, you know called as an incomplete pass. I mean, just remarkable stuff by the safety who no, the Saints can't extend right now because of the fact that they weren't able to get the extension done before the franchise tag deadline. So while we're watching a bunch of other teams like the Denver Broncos and Philadelphia Eagles start to lock up players and then get them extended, the Saints can't do that with Marcus Williams until after the season. And some teams are going to be willing to pay Marcus Williams a ton of money. So the Saints have got to figure out a way to keep Marcus Williams in New Orleans. Otherwise, they're going to spend a long time trying to find a safety that can replace his production and his protection. Another player that uh, it, that they ended up drafting that has continued to be somebody that has proven himself, I think, over the course of these last few games, or at least started to, is Marcus Davenport. I told you I was going to tell you the tale of the Marcuses. So let's talk about Marcus Davenport, who was credited in this game with four pressures, one sack, a couple of hits on the quarterback, and then also had seven tackles and six defensive stops, according to Pro Football Focus. Remember, defensive stops are effectively plays that end up yielding a negative result, even if it's not negative yardage. So it could be a run play that gains less than three yards, a passing play that gains less than four yards, those types of situations. And Marcus Davenport was all over the field in this one. He even got into a full-on scrap with a player, with a uh, offensive lineman for the Philadelphia Eagles to the point where they went all the way down to the ground. No flags were thrown, even though later on in the evening, uh, Clyde edwards Zelaya got flagged for pointing at somebody. But anyway, great job, NFL. Uh, when it comes down to it, the you know, Marcus Emport had a, a really phenomenal game in this one. And, you know, look, obviously it, it, it's tough, right? When you're going up against a mobile quarterback. So not everything was perfect. There were some times where he lost contain, where he got beat to the outside, all of that. But for the most part, he was probably your most consistent front seven defensive player. Now, Demario Davis had a really nice moment where he ended up carrying Devontae Smith down the middle of the field and ended up defending a pass and forcing an incompletion in the end zone. So you love to see that. But your most consistent player along the front seven was probably Marcus Davenport in this one. And I think you might be able to say that 
over the course of these last few games, since Marcus Davenport has returned from injury, he's looking really, really good. And he has been uh, playing with a fire that I don't think we've really seen from him over the course of his career so far. So very good to see, particularly at this point in the season as he's returning from injury and hopefully able to stay healthy moving forward. Because if he's able to stay healthy and he's able to remain this disruptive, he becomes a key part of whatever the Saints can do in terms of potentially turning this most recent portion of the season around, right? Flipping back from this three-game losing streak, Marcus Davenport, Marcus Williams, Demario Davis, they're all key players in that. And a guy like Marshawn Lattimore should be a key player in that as well. So hopefully we get to see his standard come up a little bit. Well, his standard is already up, but see his efficiency come up and meet his standard, at which we haven't really seen over the course of these last few games. And to wrap us up, we're going to give our one game ball over on the offensive side. And this one feels pretty good to give, I think. Actually, we're going to give two. We're going to give two. We'll have a little bit of fun with this one over on the offensive side, but we'll go quick with them. Um, both of these players had five catches in this game and uh, career high for catches and yardage for one of these players, Traquan Smith and Adam Troutman. Interestingly, get to give Adam Troutman a game ball here after a lot of folks were very critical of his performance over the course of the season, particularly last week up against the Tennessee Titans, including myself. And he went on to be targeted eight times in this game, one of which would have been a big game had Trevor Simeon not underthrown it, ended up being intercepted, intercepted, that was a fun word, by TJ Edwards. We saw the depth of the linebackers struggle throughout this game, but unfortunately that pass was underthrown and gave TJ Edwards the opportunity to go up and snag it out the air. But Trey Quantz, excuse me, Adam Troutman in that situation, wide open in terms of the deep over route that we talked about watching in this game. Traquan Smith, though, continued to benefit from the routes that we thought that he would and that lack of defensive linebacker depth by the um, by the Eagles in the passing game. He had some routes where he was open early on in this game and could have helped to build some momentum early, but the ball couldn't get to him or the ball didn't get to him. Uh, but still, five catches for 64 yards, averaging 12.8 yards per catch for uh, the young Traquan Smith and then Adam Troutman, who is working to rebound his reputation a little bit, career highs, five catches, 58 yards. He did leave the game with a left leg injury of some sort, though, so something to keep an eye on there. Oh, and we should probably quickly give Traquan Smith a shout out for his run blocking as well, sealing the edge at one point up against a defensive end, legitimately, uh, getting a big block to free up Mark Ingram for his big run on the day. And then we should shout, uh, shout out Adam Troutman for uh, running a tight end screen appropriately and not getting ahead of his blockers, being patient and picking up big yardage there. So good stuff from both of those guys on the offensive side, even though the offense was the uh, struggle of this entire game. So we'll see how the New Orleans Saints continue to adjust and whatever it is that they are going to do, they're going to have to do it quickly because they're back at home up against the Buffalo Bills on Thanksgiving Day. We'll make sure we have you covered with everything still Monday through Friday here on the show throughout this week. Yes, even Thanksgiving as well, because we have our crossover Thursday. So we'll have a lot of fun stuff here for you throughout the rest of the week. Thanks as always for making us your first listen of the day here on the show. Don't forget for your second listen, go and check out Locked on Bets. Win yourself some money with your boy Q and handicapping expert, Lee Sterling. As always, y'all, for everything in between here on the show, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're mom and them. And trust you, that nation, I'll holla at you.